If you would please turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Our text will be found in verses 3 through 6. Philippians chapter 1. We'll read our text together and then we'll pray and ask God's help to understand His Word today as we are obedient to it. Paul writes, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation or your um, partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's bow and ask God's help today. Gracious God, we thank you for the power of your word. And Father, as we come to you this morning, we need your help to understand, to be obedient. Oh God, I need your help to speak clearly, to represent your word accurately and faithfully. And so God, would you undertake for us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that work will be done in our hearts as you unfold your scripture to us. And Father, as we hear it, may we be obedient to it. May we obey. May you be glorified in all that is said and done here. Which in Christ I pray. Amen. Have you ever wondered why it is that sometimes one individual comes to know Jesus and as that person grows in Christ, they do so with such eagerness and such joy, and that it's known to all around them that they are a believer. And you see, as it were, daily growth. But then you see another believer, and you would say that they have a true knowledge of Christ and obedience to the Scripture in salvation, but daily there is struggles in that life. And it's hard, and it's It's such a thing that is from day to day, you don't know how they're doing and how the work of God is growing. You see sometimes evidence and sometimes you don't. You have two extremes and sometimes we find ourselves, us, somewhere along the path of those extremes. Maybe we are struggling from time to time. Maybe we do see the growth of God. We hope by God's grace that we have the growth that... You would want in a life. Why is it that some struggle, and why is it that we see in biblical language we don't see growth in the life of an individual or even sometimes ourselves on a daily or weekly or even a yearly basis? Even more personally, Do you see growth in your life from day to day or from week to week? Or is this year on a trajectory greater than last year? What does growth in the life of a believer even look like? What is it? We hear these words, and sometimes they're couched in spiritual language where you must grow. What does that mean? What is it all about that a person to grow? Are we like plants? Are we like 
kids, animals? Uh, you know, do we see, do we, do we ever stop growing or do we reach a plateau? What is it? How does Scripture describe that? Fortunately for us, the New Testament has a lot to say, a very lot to say about growth in the life of a believer. And this morning, I'm going to speak principally to those who would say, I'm a follower of Christ. I have come to a, a personal relationship with Christ. I have, I have asked God to forgive my sin. I've repented and I've, I've fallen upon His mercy and His grace and He's saved me. However, I think in this, even if you're not a follower of Christ today, you'll see what it's all about and hopefully give you an understanding of what God desires to do in the life. And I hope you will listen with particular interest, whether or not you're, you're a follower of Christ or not. You'll look, listen with particular interest. See, what we're going to see here in this passage is that God desires growth of us as believers. Now, just kind of give you some background of what's going on. In, in verse 3, Paul is writing. He's finished his salutation. That's the first two verses. He said hello to them. Um, he has um, identified himself. He's, he's talked about Timothy. You know, they're together. And it's to all the saints at Philippi. And he's writing to the, this. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Now, let's go back. And if you don't know the history of this letter, Paul spent a few days in Philippi. And um, he had a, a very unpleasant night stay in a, the jail at Philippi. And that was punctuated by an earthquake in the middle of the night. And the jailer, thinking that all the prisoners had been escaped and they'd gone and fearful for his life, realizes that Paul calls out to him saying, we're all here. And in that moment, as the, the witness of Paul and Silas in that jail the jailer comes and says, what shall I do to be saved? What is it? And Paul shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with this man. And uh, the next day there's a trial. And just a few short days, Paul leaves Philippi. So he's writing to, us, to a, a congregation of believers that has grown from the point that he was there, but not one that he spent a lot of time with originally. And so he is writing to them. And he is saying these things. And first of all, I thank God for every remembrance of you. And he commends them. He says, with joy, I pray for you in every prayer. And I commend you for how you partner in the gospel. The word is koinonia here, where which we get our fellowship. How you're fellowshiping together, partnering together in the gospel here. And I thank God for that. And he says this verse here, for I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. I am confident. We're going to look for the next um, probably 12 weeks in a series that I've entitled Grow. I'm entitled Grow. It really is a study in God's work in our lives as believers. How the God works in the life and the growth that is to be there. And so Paul introduces this here. Because we have come from death to life, he says, I am confident. I am confident. I am sure that God has do, is doing a good work in you and will continue to do it. Three things I want you to say. Number one, we are to grow because God saved you. Grow because God saved you. Look at verse 6 here. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you. What is he saying? 
Jesus, as God is working in the life of the believer, he began a good work in you. And what this is saying is talking about the gospel work of salvation in the heart of a believer. That work that has happened, that is done by Christ there. So believers here, is that good work they see. Now what is this all about? What is the gospel? What is it that God is doing? And to to understand that, we have to go far back. We have to go back to the very beginning. The very beginning of the gospel. The very beginning of the Word of God. In Genesis chapter 1, we see in verse 2, God creating all things. He took from disorder, He brought order. And He created the sun, the moon, the stars, the land, the animals, people. And He set Adam and Eve in a garden, in a beautiful garden. There, He made man in His image, it says. Not that man looked just like God physically, but in character, in nature. Man was made in the image of God. He gave them um, this, this privilege so they might represent His character, and His beauty to the world around them. He made them not only representatives, but He made them, gave them responsibilities in the garden. He made them have uh, duties over things to, to tend the garden. And so they were responsible. But He also, in that garden, gave them a choice. He set in the midst of the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you can eat of all the other trees, but not this one. And that was fine for a while. We don't know exactly how long that was. But it was fine for a while, and then the serpent came to tempt them. And he asked a question like this. Indeed, God has said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And then Eve responds as well, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Not exactly what God said, but kind of the idea. And so the serpent attacks her, and eventually Adam, with this idea of pride. Why should God withhold something from you? Is God keeping back? See, God doesn't want you to eat that because He knows that when you do, you'll be like Him. You'll be like God's. You'll know good from evil. He's just holding things back from you, and you deserve, you deserve this. And so we know the story of Eve eating and giving to Adam. And then came the blame game, you know? It was that woman you gave me. That's why. And when God came to, the, to them in the cool of the day, they had hid themselves. They were ashamed. They knew then what it was to know sin. And so from that point on, that point on, sin entered into the human race. And in As God writes poetically, He tells them of this one who would come, the seed of the woman, who would crush the serpent's head, whose heel would be bruised. But in that instant, God promises one who would come and who would rescue. But the curse of sin was upon them. They were banished from the garden. And things begin to spiral downhill from there. They they, uh, turn from, from bad to worse. They have children. Cain kills Abel. And sin continues through through the world, through human existence. And so that when we have humans here, we have something that is much of a great gulf between humans and God. 
And that thing that is there is sin. Sin becomes between humans and God. And there's a great gulf. Now God chooses Abraham. He calls him from the earth of the Chaldees and he takes him to a land and he makes him his promised people. He says, Abraham, I will make your, your descendants like the, the sand of the sea, the stars of the sky. I will bless you and those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. And he promises Abraham that. And yet people continue to sin. And then you move fast forward to Moses as, as God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. He gives the law. And he gives the law and he sets for them a ceremonial system of sacrifice. Why? Because of their sin. And he says, it's something that seems horrific to us, that because of your sin, an animal will be sacrificed. You know, we think about that and that's horrific. But as a, someone in that situation, God hoped that the death of an animal, a lamb, an innocent lamb sacrificed for my sin, if I'd have been living there, would be horrific enough for us to, to understand the cost of our sin. But yet, as we know, men and women continue to rebel. Well, Moses, the judges, the kings, the split of the kingdom, captivity, has been, we've been studying in Nehemiah. This continued, and this went on and on to the, to the point where the God's chosen people were scattered. God's chosen people were scattered. Then, then God, in His infinite grace, broke into history. And as He did, did so, He brings the ultimate sacrifice. As He reached out to humanity, a humanity that was destined for eternal Death, Jesus came. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus came. And that gulf that was between God and man, Jesus bridged. Jesus bridged that gulf so that through faith in Christ, His grace would save. And man would be reconciled to God. And man now would not have to be condemned to eternal death, but instead, eternal life. And so this is the good work. This is the good work. That by Christ's grace, God's grace, through faith, we have redemption. We are reconciled. We are now can be child, children of God through the great grace. And that is the good news. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as Paul says, He has begun a good work in you. That is the good work. And so first of all, we understand that we are to grow because God has saved us. He has rescued us from the chains and the bondage of sin. And we who know Christ can remember the chains of sin that were around us and the freedom not to have to serve sin again. But as Paul writes, he continues, he gives us another reason. Still in that same verse, he says, For I am confident that he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it. And this is the second part of growth to understand we are to grow because God is working to complete you. He is working to continue the process. 
growing. The idea of the confidence that Paul says, that he writes, this work that God does in us, what does it look like? What's the purpose? Romans 8.29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. The image of his Son, to conform is something to become similar and form to something. And the image here is really the likeness or the similarity of the appearance, the character of nature. Uh, or of nature. See, the work that God is doing in us is for us to be more like Christ. To take on the attributes, the communicable attributes of God that we are to be more Christ-like. So the goal of what God is doing and this work to complete us is to be more like Christ. As we see Him, we understand that that God is working. And Paul says, I'm sure, I'm confident that not only did He begin the work in you, but He's working also to complete or to perfect this, this ongoing work. Jude talks about this in another way. He, he uses not the, the idea of grow, but of, of construction, of building. In Jude 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, awaiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. The passage in, in Peter that uh, Mark read this morning at the beginning of our service. That passage, Second Peter 1. For now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and your moral excellence knowledge your knowledge, self-control. See how it's compounding, as Mark pointed out to us, adding to this, to this. But look from, from knowledge to self-control to perseverance to godliness to brotherly kindness to love. But notice that third word in, applying all diligence. And you see here that God is working in us to grow us and that we are participating in that work. It's not that I just say, okay, I'm going to sit down and God, make me better. Make me grow. There's some obedience in there. There's some diligence in there. And we are not working to, to gain a, a higher level of heaven or a gold star in our crown. We are, we are here being diligent so that we might become more like Christ. That when people see us, they see the love, the grace, the mercy of God. More like Christ. And that indeed is the challenge. It's the work of our, of our God to grow us, but it's also our, our privilege to participate in diligence. God has begun that work. He will continue that work. But look at the very end there, of that, that verse. Grow because Jesus is preparing a place for you in heaven. A third point. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. We know through Scripture, the New Testament writers write often of this, that the end for the believer is a place in heaven, a home in heaven. And it's not about the mansion. It's not about the mansion. It is, it is about the one who created the mansion, about Jesus, about being in His presence forever, eternally, with Christ. And we grow because we know that we have for us one day when God calls us home a place to be with Him and we desire to be like Him. 
one of my favorite passages, probably the, the longest passage I memorized first as a child was uh, John 14. John 14, in verse 3, it says there, If I go, Jesus is speaking, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a blessed hope. Jude wrote about it. Paul writes about it. Peter writes about it. Jesus promises us. And so we have salvation. We grow because God is has brought us into a unique relationship with salvation with Him because He is working each day in our hearts and lives for us to grow and because we have a home waiting for heaven. And that is why we grow, but the question that we asked earlier is why don't we grow? Why is it that we do not see the work of growth in our hearts and lives? We're commanded to do so. Just once a little more reiteration. Philippians 2.12, later on in the same letter that Paul is writing. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He said, not work for your salvation, but the outworking, the result of your salvation, is the, this idea of growing and of becoming more like Christ. And so the diligence in there is there. In Ephesians 4. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. So this is commanded throughout Scripture. But why don't we grow? If God has prepared a place for us, as God is uniquely doing a work in our hearts and lives to bring us to this point of growth and of knowledge and of understanding, why don't we grow? Why is it that we're not growing up in all aspects and to Him who is the head, even Christ. And I wonder if, if sometimes we believe a lie. Sometimes we believe that the lie of the adversary that says, we aren't worthy of God's work in us. Yeah, I know I'm a believer, but you know, Satan comes and tells us now, yeah, you're really bad. In fact, you're still bad. God's not going to do anything in her heart and life. And so the discouragement says, I'm not going to even try. I'm not going to even read my Bible. I'm not going to even try to, to see what Christ-likeness is. That's sometimes the reason why we don't grow. We, we're discouraged. We allow the adversary to convince us of something other than the truth. Sometimes we get weary. Sometimes we get weary in well-doing. Ever been there? You don't have to shake your head, but you can do it inside. We all have been there. God, it's just, it's just too much work. It's too hard. I don't think I can do it anymore. I don't think I can grow. I don't think I can become more like Christ. It's just too unattainable. I can't do it. I'm tired. We have the echo of the writer. We're not weary and well-doing. In due season we will reap if we faint not. Sometimes it's just simply we desire our own way. The cliche, we look at our salvation as fire insurance. <clears throat> I, I got my home in heaven. But man, I, I want to have fun now. I want to do my own way now. And in a sense, we, we reject or we sideline or 
can be so crude, we spit at the sacrifice of Christ. His sacrifice on the cross, and we, we say, I, I, don't, I disregard that, Jesus. I don't care. I want my own way. I, I, I want to live my life, my ambitions, everything that I want to do, and I really don't care. That would, I'd say, that you're on pretty shaky ground, because if you continue that, that path, it may be that you've never come to saving faith. If you continue to reject like that, you've never come to saving faith in the first place. It's just been a profession that's not real. But believers, genuinely saved believers, can, can have periods in our lives that we want our own way. It's my life. I've got it ahead of me. I want to live the way I want to live. Don't you, Lord, tell me how I should live. I want to go my way. And, and sometimes it's not evil stuff. It's, you know, it's just I want my own way. I want my path. It's a good path, Lord. I'm not sinning, but it's my path. Instead of saying, Lord, this is your life. You bought me. How do you want to use me? Sometimes we just we lose sight of the big finish. We lose sight of our home in heaven. And we get caught up with stuff down here. And life is busy. Is it not? Anybody not busy? I've got stuff for you to do if you're not busy. You know, raise your hand. <laughs> There's somebody beside you say, hey, can you help me out? Yeah. We all are busy. And we all fill up our days. No matter what we're doing, we all fill up our days. I think it's a Murphy's Law somewhere. You know, the time allowed is, is filled up, but you know, it doesn't matter if we have lots to do or little. We, we go to the last minute. Everybody wrote that paper in, co- in class and school you know, at the last minute. Even though you had four weeks, you had plenty of time. Don't acknowledge that. You know. Especially if your teacher is sitting behind you. Um, we do that in life, don't we? We lose sight of what's ahead. We lose sight of our God. You know, it's difficult at the time, but if you're a child of God, God desires to work in you. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He doesn't want you to, to stay as a, as a babe. The writer says, as newborn babes desire the milk of the Word, that you may grow. It's the milk of the Word and it's the meat of the Word as we grow. We can mix all of our metaphors here from plants to construction to, to babies. Okay, We can mix all of this, but we have to have the desire by the work of God in our heart to continue on this path of growth. You know, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be the trajectory will not always be up. Sometimes we'll, you know, we'll bounce a bit. We'll have to come back to God. And we'll say, Lord, I need, I need your power today. But God desires for us to grow. Believer, I want you to know that God has begun a good work in you. He has. By salvation, he has given you. Wow, just an amazing thing in the gospel Amazing thing to be a believer and a follower of Christ. He desires to work in and through you. So it comes down to the choice. Will I engage? Will I participate in the work that God is doing in my heart and life? Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're here today and... And you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Thank you so much for your attention and for your just your willingness to sit and, and listen. And 
I want to extend you the opportunity, the invitation to know Christ. And maybe you have questions. And maybe it is that you say, it's not, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not to that point, but I have questions. And so we would love to, to have coffee or something later on, or even now. Mark's in the back um, as we sing in just a moment. Say, I have questions now. We'd love to take God's Word and answer your question without, without embarrassment, without pressure. Just show you what God says through His Word of salvation. If I ask you today, would you respond to the Word? Would you just seek out the answers to those questions? But if you're a believer here today, God knows where you are. He knows the situation. He knows whether you're running from Him. He knows whether you're in His will. He knows whether you are in a time and a season of waiting, a time and a season of instruction, or a time and a season of great growth. He knows exactly where you are. And He desires to continue the work in you. So the question is for each of us, for me and for you, is will I be diligent in that work? Will I be diligent to the Word of God that says, Lord, whatever you ask of me, I will do? It is a yielding. It is a submission. We don't like that, do we? I don't. I don't like submitting. You know, we, it's, it's against our nature as humans to submit to something else, someone else. That's what God asks of us, to submit to Him. And when we do, the joy of obedience is ours. And when we do, the growth can be exponential. As we see God working in us. As we see Him take every situation, good or bad, to glorify Himself and to grow us through it. The question is, will you yield to that growth? This morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to, to respond to God in your heart. Would you commit to yielding for growth? Say, God, whatever you bring my way, I'm yours. Grow me. Gracious God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. And oh God, I pray for our hearts today, for all of us, as we kneel before you today. Lord, we, we need your help. We need your grace. Oh God, we need by your power and your spirit for you to undertake for us in the areas that we cannot and your grace to be diligent Father, our goal is to be like Christ. Father, as we read of him in the Gospels, as we see the grace, the love, the care, the compassion that he has, Lord, we pray that we would reflect that to others. And Father, may we take upon ourselves the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, not only the attributes of Christ, but the, the work that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts and lives. And may we be changed. May we not be the same people. May we be like Christ. 
May we have the fruit daily of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And God, may we as a body so reflect Christ that people will remark and say that they have been with Christ, that they are followers of Christ. And may people who are hurting, who need the grace of Jesus, know that they can find it in us. Father, this is not primarily about us. This is about your glory and the call of souls to your kingdom. So I pray that we would be obedient. And may your grace be seen and known in us. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.